0: I'm Claire. And I'm Liz. And this is The Balancing Act, a podcast where we talk about law, life, and everything in between. Okay, so in today's episode, we're talking about different business processes that we each have to kind of work on the business administrative side of a law practice. Liz, what do you use to help keep everything
1: organized for yourself? The two big things that I do is I have checklists and client lists. Do you do that as well, Claire?
0: Yes, absolutely. I do a weekly client list where I just kind of have a list of my current clients or clients that I need to be checking in on and kind of like where they are in each of their cases. What, How about you? Do you use like a certain software program for that? Microsoft Word. Hey, same with me. It's nothing <laughs> fancy. I know there's some different professional things that you can use.
1: Yeah, Or um, like practice management software. Practice man-
0: That's the word I was looking for. That you can use. But I have found that Microsoft Word is just as easy. Yeah. to use. plus I can get them all in one list rather than
1: in one each page separately maybe. yeah yeah. yeah. I also use Word and the way that I do it to make sure I'm not missing anyone is I have my computer files for each client and as soon as I get a new client as soon as I you know officially hire they, I start a, a folder. I'm assuming most attorneys do that and then I have them all under another folder called active clients and then so I when I do my client list I just make sure that my client list has everyone who's an active client listed. And then sometimes if I think, you know, if I know someone is maybe going to be hiring soon, I might put them kind of on the, what I would call like the watch list. And then same with cases that are more or less closed, but, you know, might have something happen in them that isn't really just like a monitor. I think I would call that monitor. Is that... Do you do something like that, or how do you...
0: Yeah, so I have my active clients, and then I split them up. So I have, like, all my family law clients, like, in together. And then all of my seat planning and all of my probate or estate administration clients together. So I can kind of look at them, because, you know, sometimes they're in similar places in their cases. And then I also have a section where I have potential clients that I think actually are going to be hiring yes. relatively uh-huh. shortly as opposed to just they called, but who knows if they'll hire or not. Just as like a reminder to me, like, oh, or that maybe I is. should, yeah. yeah, that they're interested or maybe even I should check in with them again mm-hmm. because they said, oh, I'll check in with you again next month once I'm, you know, get this or yeah. whatever. Because um, sometimes I'll say, you know, hey, it was great talking with you last month. Do you, Did you have any questions? That's and oftentimes people will say oh that's right yes i'm ready you know <laughs> let's go or oh no i'm still waiting for this something to come in or happen
1: that's a good idea yeah i, I don't do that but my clients are you know i don't have a lot of estate planning or probate clients I don't have any in fact because that's <laughs> not my practice area but for me it's more like just a reminder that the person exists so that way when they, like, maybe, like, a week or two later say, hey, I'm going to hire, I'm like, yes, I exactly remember your name, you know, and I yeah. I know your case. Usually when I do a client list, too, I don't separate them by practice area. I do alphabetical, except for I do have the section at the bottom for the people who I'm, you know, monitoring. Yeah. And I usually, what I normally put on the client list is you know, the last thing that I've done on the case, you know, like sent email to opposing counsel on blah, blah dates. Yes. And then I put whatever the next step is like, yes. whatever there's a And anytime there's a court hearing, I, or a court deadline, I put that on the list too. Yes. Me too. Absolutely.
0: So I have that for like all of my clients and then within each client folder, especially with my probate clients, Uh I'll have like a checklist of what needs to happen. Because in probate specifically, there's a very kind of strict list of what you need to do in what order. And so I literally have that in each probate client so that I don't forget any of the documents, especially because some have to happen at certain uh, time periods along the way. And mm-hmm. so then I'll even put like a date, like, oh, make sure the inventory is filed in this
1: time range. Yeah. How about you? Do you have something like that I, in your client files? I do. And I usually print it out too because I'm a person who likes yes. to take a pen and check off oh, on a list. <laughs> and for me, The checklist, I use it in a bankruptcy case for sure, because when I'm filing the case, I want to be sure that the client has, you know, that while the client comes into my office to review all of the documents, I want to check off that they physically reviewed it and that I got their actual signature because it could be easy to forget like one piece of paper otherwise. Yes. And then also when I'm e-filing, it's really easy to, I feel like in the e-filing system, sometimes it's easy to just have something not actually go through and so it kind of lets me double check. Yes. And then for like a divorce case, depending on the path it's taking, I do try to have a checklist as well, but it's, it differs depending on the way the case is going. Yeah. And it is trickier if it's in litigation. Yeah. But There's some things that you do at the end of a divorce case, you know, after it's wrapped up that you need to do. And so you don't want to forget to do them. And it would be easy to have it fall through the cracks. Yeah. One other thing that actually just yesterday I experienced with a checklist is like when you start to kind of second guess yourself. Like, did I do that? You know, you're pretty sure you did. But then you just start second guessing. Yeah. But if you have it on a list, oh, file that on such and such date. Exactly. Feels pretty good. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: I think that that's the best way to kind of use a checklist is to make sure that that nothing gets
1: slipped through the cracks. Do you have, did you create your own checklist for probate or did you, how did you figure out how to create one?
0: I think I found a model one. I don't even remember where. I found a model one and then I modified it Mm -hmm. because it had all the right information, but it was laid out in a way that made zero sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't work with
1: your style, your brain. Exactly,
0: exactly. So I took the information and created my own kind of checklist
1: and split it up into the different sections that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. How about you? I think I basically created my own after like doing certain things enough times and I'm still, you know, it's a work in progress, meaning I add stuff from time to time or say, Oh, it would be better to maybe I can get away from this many check boxes to only this many or I don't know. I just, you know, that's the good part about it being your own business. And when it is, you know, solo practice. It's not like I have to tell someone, hey, I modified my checklist. <laughs> I just have to remember that I modified my checklist. <laughs> well, I suppose you could tell
0: someone. I don't know how happy they'd be. Yeah, they wouldn't be that excited, <laughs> most likely. All right. So checklist, client list, a great way to make sure that nothing slips through the cracks, everything's taken care of, and no one is forgotten.
1: Yeah. Thank you.